This Sunday, the church year begins again with Advent, the season of preparation. It's also the kickoff of the holiday season with Muzak in the malls and Christmas trees all around Old Town. It's the time we gather with family and friends in the warmth and glow of the season, and it is also the time many feel the cold and loneliness that comes with memories of happier times. We enter once again a time of waiting and expectation. Waiting is a part of the spiritual life and promises spiritual growth, but it is still tedious and time passes slowly. Soon this season will echo with John the Baptist's cry to prepare and the angel Gabriel's hail to the Blessed Mother. But for now, we are asked to think of time, of light and darkness, and of a thief that comes in the night. The first message of Advent is one of anxiety. Change is coming, and it will change our lives. We need to watch and prepare, even if we don't know what we're doing. A few years ago at Grace Cathedral in San Francisco, the staff was given t-shirts that said, Jesus is coming, look busy. <laughs> While we may joke about it, it's with a nervous laugh. Our collect for this Sunday begins, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life. It's a solemn request and harkens back to our second lesson from Paul, from his letter to the Romans, where he writes, Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. The works of darkness. I think we all know what they are. Lies, deceit, false witness, betrayal, duping and taking advantage of others, doing wrong to a neighbor. St. Paul describes them as reveling, drunkenness, licentiousness, debauchery, quarreling, and jealousy. To put them in a contemporary context, a good example would be to claim an automobile has clean energy when it has been designed to cheat EPA standards and pollute. Another example would be to put the profits of oil companies above the population's needs for clean water. Or to fuel bigotry and discord and then refuse to take responsibility for ugly incidents when they occur. The works of darkness are many and manifold. It is often those things done to benefit the few and sacrifice the many, or that sell the soul of a person, a group, or even a nation. I was deeply troubled last week when I learned that a person chosen to be a close advisor to the president-elect said, and I quote, darkness is good. He went on to say, Dick Cheney, Darth Vader, and Satan, that's power. And the implication was that it was all good. Disregarding Dick Cheney, Darth Vader, and even partisan politics, I'm troubled 
because I take words seriously and I do not believe the power of Satan is good. Evil has visited this world with great power within living memory, and we do not want to invite it back. But it is important to remember that the works of darkness are not just out there. They are most dangerously in our own minds and hearts. The works of darkness are those thoughts, words, and acts that put our desires before others and before God. We've recently come through an election where fact-checkers were constantly revealing that information given bore no relationship to reality. Truth seemed a casualty, yet we all know that truth-telling is fundamental to any trust between people. And so we pray again the ancient prayer to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now is the time to do some soul house cleaning so that we can meet our Savior, as Native Americans say, with clean hands and straight eyes. St. Paul shows us the way. We're not simply asked to shine a light in the direction of the darkness, but to actually clothe ourselves in light because we need protection. On Sundays, such as this morning, when I preach and I sit behind the pulpit, I look out straight before me at the small window of St. Michael as he stands fully armed above the celebrant. And sometimes I think about how we can protect ourselves from darkness, both inward and outward. I have a particular interest in armor and have actually studied it in some depth. I've visited arms and armor museums in Europe, in France, England, and I'm familiar with the names and shapes of the various metal pieces that protected medieval warriors and deflected blows. At the Wallace Collection in London, I even had an opportunity to try some on. I first put on a leather undergarment, then the male shirt, which is made of small loops of metal. I was astonished by the weight of it. I then put on a hood of the same material and remember how it tore at my hair and bore down on my head. Then I strapped on the cuirass or chest plate, which opens sideways like a clam and buckles on. And then I managed to get on the helmet, but I felt as if I were being slowly hammered down into the ground by the weight. I didn't get to the arm and leg pieces, the intricate articulated hand and foot armor, much less the pauldrons for the shoulders or the sword or shield. Suffice it to say that medieval, medieval armors armorers protected well the warriors until they were knocked off their horses and then they struggled mightily to get up and labored hard to move out of harm's way. The armor of light is a wonderful metaphor in part because it implies no weight. It is the protection of truth and honesty alone and will protect us both inwardly and outwardly. <coughs> So this morning, try to imagine yourself clothed in the armor of light. Reach for that bright garment and slip your arms through the sleeves and plan to wear it for the season. Our psalm for this Sunday is one of pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and in the psalm we pray for the peace of that city. Jerusalem is always at the heart of our faith, as well as that of Jews and Muslims. 
Fought over since time immemorial, it is still our mother, and we are always urged to pray for her peace. Our lesson from Isaiah also speaks of Jerusalem and of pilgrims going to the temple to pray. The prophet speaks of God's judgment and mercy in an era of peace that is to come. He talks of a time when weapons will be reconfigured to become farming tools and there will be no more schools of warfare. While we continue to live in a world that is armed to the teeth, this text from Isaiah gives us hope that someday we will get it right. Even though his words may seem to stand well beyond our experience of nations, nevertheless, it was written within the human condition and so remains a human possibility but only if we will cease to study war and learn instead the things that make for peace. It could happen if instead of the armor of battle, all parties in conflict would put on the armor of light. In our gospel from Matthew, Jesus speaks to his disciples, telling them that the Son of Man is coming into the world in a new and definitive way. Jesus used the term, the Son of Man, a Messiah-like figure, to describe himself. This gospel message is not a call to calculate mathematically the day or time of the second coming, nor is it necessarily a call to prepare for the celebration of Christ's first coming at Easter. It's something else entirely. Advent is its own season that tells us that now is the time to prepare and repent because God is real and God's reign is coming into sharper focus and clearer presence. Jesus tells us we do not know the time, but we need to be alert and ready. Throughout history, Christians have tried to determine the point of time when Jesus would return, and there are many cartoons of wild-eyed preachers wearing placards proclaiming the end is upon us. But Jesus is not talking about time as we understand it. It is not chronos, which the clocks measure. Rather, it is kairos, God's choice of the acceptable, the appropriate time we are called to discern. He tells his followers we need to prepare and to watch and guard because like a flash flood, a kidnapper or a thief that comes in the night, things will suddenly change. Each of his images is intrusive and disturbing and gets our attention. They're threatening events or individuals who come to challenge our comfort, our peace, our lives. We are to make preparation for these uncertainties, but we need not fear. We can prepare by alertness and attention, learning the things that make for peace, casting out the works of darkness, putting on the armor of light. This much we do know. Change is coming. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen.